0: Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update at JM in the AM. Mr. Homeline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you again. Appreciate that very much. Quite a week it's been, and uh, <laughs> there's so much to cover. It's pretty amazing. Uh, give us your reaction your overview of the speech delivered in Washington by the president of the state of Israel.
1: Well, I had the privilege to be there and to attend the events and to hear him again yesterday in New York, where he was a guest, uh, uh, and spoke in the afternoon. And he's here actually for Shabbat too. Uh, I thought it was carefully crafted. It touched many points, some sensitive, uh, the response to the members of Congress was really quite remarkable, given that they, all of the focus is on the few who decided to quote boycott, and it was very few. Uh, Senator Sanders amongst them, which was uh, quite surprising because uh, he hadn't said it in advance. But the uh, you know, and then the usual suspects. But the overall, the response was repeated ovations wasn't easy sitting there and having to stand up every other minute and, and uh, <laughs> getting up and down. But it was, uh, I think, a genuine response. There were people who stood up and didn't applaud. There were people who sat and applauded. Uh, so You can't just judge by what the pictorial presentations were. But in the substance, he was very tough on Iran. I think he definitely handed, handled the question of intervention in Israeli domestic stuff. Um and even his reference to comparing it to the United States, uh some of the struggles we have here. Uh, overall, I thought it was um, it was well done, well received, uh, and I met with a lot of members afterwards, and they were. Very positive about it.
0: By the way, you'll enjoy, you'll enjoy the fact that someone contacted me from Israel and asked me to explain what the story is with everybody getting up and applauding every five seconds. <laughs> I was I was only able to attribute it to American shtick. I didn't have a better explanation, frankly, uh, because they... you know In this, and I've been at every. I was even
1: at his father's speech and helped arrange it 50, uh, 35 years ago and uh and people did not do it quite as much then but it it i think that people wanted to have an opportunity to show that the u.s israel relationship is strong to, to be responsive to it, and all it takes is for two or three people to start applauding, and everybody then applauds. Well, and one yeah. person stands up, and everybody else follows. It's not.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I hope you're right. I really do think that anything of any substance that leans toward any side that's said set said set in that room these days uh, gets a standing ovation. But the, hopefully, you're right that it really was a sincere attempt to demonstrate as much as possible. And bipartisan, it, but but it was bipartisan.
1: There were a couple points where people didn't stand a lot of republicans didn't stand after the lgbtq reference uh, there were some of the democrats who didn't applaud at the uh, or some of them but a, a minority i would say who didn't applaud at other points but by and large the response was both bipartisan and i uh, afterwards mccarthy the speaker gave a small reception and Hakeem jeffries came and the other many other democrats nancy pelosi came um, and, uh, the spirit was a very good one. And, and, you know, for a long time that has not been the case because everything is about tension and, and partisanship and the the question of Netanyahu's invitation and all those things overlaid, let alone the, uh, demonstrations in Israel, uh, that became fodder here.
0: Yeah. A so lot of the things he said, I, I a lot of the things he said, I thought were really meant for those listening in Israel, frankly, uh, as he was going through the, you know, the, the the list of different things happening at the same time in Israel, including the parade, etc. I thought that was meant more for Israelis, frankly, because there's you know, such a terrible air of divisiveness right now in Israel, and he's searching for anything to try to unite the country. So maybe that was really either meant for over there or maybe for both sides of the world. Who knows? I think what's meant for a lot of the dissidents in the Democratic Party
1: and for some of the others who've been critics in the Republican and Democratic parties. Uh, where he was emphasizing the message that Israel's democracy is sound. And as you know, the, the, even the administration has made comments, uh, many members have made comments over time about the, the endangering Israel's democracy, and I think he, he was addressing them. I did not, and often you are right, that is the case that it's meant for the domestic audience. I think in this case it was really meant for, for to heal some of the wounds and to address the members of Congress is down.
0: Yeah, as I posted on social media, his whole broken glass at the wedding thing, I think, went completely over the head of anybody sitting in that room. (laughs) And I I think it was really meant more for, you know, a reminder to Israelis that, you know, we're in a certain period of time right now, uh, you know, literally days before Tisha B'Av, that, you know, we we need to stop for a moment and look at what's happening in our country. Uh, And I thought that as dramatic as that sounds, I thought that that message was really meant for them as opposed to the people here. I mean that could be, but but did you see
1: that when he said "Am Yisrael Chai"? They didn't translate.
0: Yeah, I know, which is really—I'll tell you—you yeah. know—it's one thing—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's one thing that so many Yiddishisms and so many Hebrew words have become, you know, so common in the American vernacular. But my gosh, now we're up to phrases and quotes—that's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it was—it uh, was surprising because they all. Jumped up immediately and started cheering. I'm yeah, when, I, the, when,
0: when the history started. books when the history books are written and people are, are 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 finding it hard to believe the support that there was in the United States for Israel, that'll be a good example, by the way, how the most powerful people in the American government uh, knew the expression already. And by the way, I mean uh, not to not to uh, minimize the support, the vote that took place this week, four hundred and twelve to nine. I mean, you've seen this a million times before, but we can't minimize that. That is a great. Demonstration. By the way, aside from Sanders, and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I just I, I don't know, and you may not know. Aside from Sanders, any other member of the Senate that boycotted, or was he the only one that you know that actually boycotted the speech? He's the only
1: one who indicated uh, that uh, and, and made it known that he wasn't there. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we will get you know full tallies, but it's very hard to tell. And I was seated in a good position; I could see everybody from. The back and see, you know, seats were not. And there weren't many empty seats. There were a couple, but not many, and uh, and there could be other reasons, you know, that somebody wasn't there. Oh yeah, that I get. But, but it the only be- one who declared it was that that I know of was was um,
0: Sanders. But there may be others. Right. Um, just to, a couple other notes. The, first of all, brilliant. Brilliant poetry, in my opinion. The two grandsons of Truman and Herzog being in the same room. I, I posted that as well. I thought that was... Whoever thought of that was brilliant, <laughs> in my opinion. That was a really good get. And I'll tell you, bringing the mo- <laughs> bringing the mother of Hadar Golden, I mean, that that's a big kolakavod. I mean, the president of Israel could continue, like many others, to ignore the whole issue of POWs, MIAs, etc. And, and he brought heard of Washington. And, you know, again, I don't know if he gets all the credit for that. I'm sure there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. But boy, to keep that at the forefront and use uh, you know, the opportunity to mention him and his colleagues, his comrades, fellow comrades, in the speech, I thought was brilliant. It
1: was. Uh, by the way, it's been done before, and and he has done this uh, very often. Even in some of the gatherings we've had with him in Israel, he will, he will have them there or make reference to them. Uh, I think it 's something he takes very seriously, but so does netanyahu, so do others it's a uh, it 's a national cause, and her presence there of course was uh, was especially meaningful
0: all right now i don 't i I understand when Jewish organizations uh, you know thank those members of the United States. Congress that actually went to the speech. I mean, some people were arguing with me that, you know, this is what should be expected from them. They don't need thank yous. But okay, you and I always agree that acknowledging someone and thanking them, you know, it can't be uh, overlooked and and needs to be implemented. But what about on the other side? Should there be greater reaction from Jewish leadership, especially locally, when we have a couple of members of our house? I'm speaking now from the, I'm in one of my New York studios today, so I have that hat on. (laughs) When we have a couple of members of the New York state delegation, that are making a big deal about boycotting the speech and doing so with, uh, uh, you know, with great exuberance, making public statements with great flair. I, I mean, should we, what, what do we do? Do we ignore it? Because very, t- very often, we've had this discussion, often leadership will say, you know, if you give it more attention, it's a big problem. Or should there really be an outcry where we're demanding of constituents in those districts and others in New York to be calling their office and inundating them with how outraged we are? I don't
1: think that they would particularly, those individuals would uh, largely care about the reaction. Uh, but uh, the the answer is, yes, there should be action taken. And that is when you go to the voting booth. And if the people in those districts would have paid attention, uh, AOC certainly would not have been elected had the Jewish community in Queens really turned out in the original election. Now she is, has ingratiated herself with a, a larger base of uh, people hostile to israel and and even voting on anti-semitism and sometimes crossing the line uh the uh, uh, bomar uh, used to have riverdale now he doesn't but but we didn't see the kind of um, uh, voting that elliot engel you know was the congressman there and lost to to this know nothing uh hostile figure Uh, so the answer is we have to support people who, who will run against them if you remember with omar came within a, a hairbreadth of being defeated in right. the last elections so yes the answer is we should keep the focus on i don't i don't believe in building them up i hardly ever reference them because they thrive on the on the attacks on them and then they raise more and more money and i, I somehow got on the mailing list of uh, one or two of them which i kept because i wanted to see what they're doing and they raise huge amounts of money both themselves and then to pay off other members of congress or and i'm sure they're getting uh, you know if we were to investigate i think that some of the sources would be questionable but uh, the answer is they, they should be they they should pay at the box and people should not excuse them and shouldn't be inviting them and you see the dialogue with certain people.
0: Doesn't produce anything. Positive. Yeah, and that, and it's, and that's what's so disturbing. And this district where I am sitting right now is a perfect example. We had leadership in Washington that. You know never voted the way we would prefer when it came to international issues when it came to foreign policy, but at least you were able to walk into their office and sit down and have a respectful conversation and they would and they would even consult with members of the community before deciding on a vote, even if that vote didn't go you know the way we would have preferred and and It looks like when it comes to these characters and i 'll refer to them that way since we're not giving them real attention by mentioning their names when it comes to these characters, they have no interest in real dialogue or. And, and at least, you know, giving the respect to community leaders to come and voice their opinion.
1: Absolutely. And that's, there are people with whom a dialogue is worthwhile, even if we disagree. Right. Because you educate, you see yeah. some temper. And in the long run, you never Here, know what it's may the happen. the exact opposite. Right. And yeah. when certain extremist organizations, even in our community, seem to to bypass and to echo sometimes those sentiments... They have to understand the damage that they are doing, yeah. not just for the short term, for the long term.
0: Did you get the feeling sitting in Washington? I, I don't I really don't want to you know, pan the prime minister because I think he's been dealt with unfairly uh, by the United States government at this point. But did you get the feeling that it was a good choice? that the president of Israel was there, that his voice, not just because he has a calmer voice than the prime minister, but having him there and having him make the presentation was able to uh, go a long way in calming down whatever tension there is between Washington and Jerusalem?
1: Well, I think his remarks uh, really were aimed to do that. I don't think. I think on the Republican side, they still were uh, continuing the criticism. But, you know, the invitation... Or so-called, whether what it amounts to, we don't know yet. When it'll be an official meeting in the White House or the sidelines of the UN, which I think would be unfortunate, uh, because then that will become again fodder for you know criticism and all sorts of things. Uh, Meaning September so, UN. The September UN.
0: Wow, but, I didn't realize uh, that was an option. I thought this was a real invitation from Biden to Netanyahu.
1: Well, there was an invitation, and he would, they would consider that an invitation right. if he had a meeting with them, and the two of them got together. But I think for the optics of it, it really should be done in Washington, directly the two of them, and have a chance. And they know each other for, for decades, so you know it's it's not two strangers uh, meeting. I think it's it's uh, you know that that issue lingered. I heard interviews and other things being done there on Capitol Hill, where the question kept getting. It, it, it did blunt it a little bit, and the, but I think it stands on its own in view of the, of the way that he addressed the Congress and, and the issues that he raised and saying that, you know, denying Israel's right to exist is anti-Semitism and getting the kind of response that that got, you know, for, for some of the people who were not there and some who were there, they, uh, it was an important message.
0: It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, web have a on the Malcolm Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app, Malcolm Holmline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, major American Jewish organizations. After last uh, Shabbos' episode, what do you know today about the health of the Prime Minister of Israel?
1: Uh, well, we pray for him. I hope in every shul they'll, they'll make him a shabarach when they talk for the people who are sick or include him. But uh, uh, let's just hope that there isn't more to it. The fact that I put a monitor there would argue against that it being simple dehydration. And, you know, there have been several episodes, one that I witnessed myself, from, uh, last Yom Kippur, but there he was fasting and again dehydrated. Uh, so let's hope that that's the case.
0: Did he have a relatively normal work week since then? Like, did he make appearances and stuff?
1: No, he was supposed to appear at the Christians United for Israel, which was this week, and the most exciting event of the Jewish calendar is <laughs> when 5,000 Christians who get together from all 50 states and had the privilege to address them, uh, even though it was distorted a little bit what I said, but um, uh it, it's the the their love and the compassion and the passion for Israel, I, I'm telling you, it was unequalled. I don't see it in any Jewish audience. The way they cheered, their, their excitement, and, and members of Congress uh, were there, mostly Republicans. Nikki uh, Haley, Vice President Pence, many others came. Uh, the Governor DeSantis, but the the you know the contrast of that together today with the the lackluster mood in generally in Washington, and these guys go to the Hill and lobby their congressmen. Believe me, they take no prisoners when they do it. They are very adamant and uh, defined in their, in their uh, goal. And Pastor Hagee and Mrs. Hagee, they've got over 10 million members. They sign 100,000 members a month now. And it's, it's truly uh, amazing to see that the, the gathering and the, and the salt of the earth people who, who come to it who uh, the mass majority are always first-timers because they have to save in order to afford the trip and the hotels and all the expenses attended to it. And then they give very generously. They tithe, in, in, and a lot of it, uh, he gives millions and millions of dollars of support without conditions, without strings. There's no missionizing at all of, uh, of any kind connected with the uh, CUFI. So when people are down, no, we have tens of millions of friends in America. The vote, you know, condemning uh, Congresswoman Paul, the, the fact that you had a 410 to 9 vote uh, should tell people that the situation isn't so bleak. And we still there are a lot of friends. The problem is all the attention
0: goes to the to the bad guys. Yeah, it's funny. First of all, it's funny that you have to get your insp- I mean, it's sad, not funny, that to get inspiration about Israel, you know, you have to go to the KUFI conference instead of instead of depending on our own people for the inspiration. But that's that's a whole separate topic for another show. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned about the vote because some some young people said to me yesterday that you know, despite everything going on, look at this vote. And I, and I, of course, you know, at this age, I take it for granted that every time there's a vote on Israel in Congress, you're going to get massive numbers like this. But it's true, um, and especially for those not used to it on the younger end, uh, it is significant. It is significant. So you're talking about leadership in this country, government leadership, that's uh, uh, taking a stand and making a statement uh, by voting pro-Israel, in this case 412 to 9, which is uh, not to be overlooked. And again, sometimes you you get to a point where you're so used to it, you don't appreciate it. Maybe that's where we're heading. Maybe that's why the Christians United for Israel are more enthusiastic about Israel, because we've gotten so used to it and are taking it more for granted for them, as you just described, for many of them it's a first-time experience, a first-time adventure into being inspired by Israel just a thought no, it's
1: it's more than a thought I think that, and we've talked about this many times, about what, you know, how, how much do we appreciate the miracle of Israel we know the criticism, everybody gets into the internal politics and everybody knows better what the prime minister should do and everybody else should do uh, we, we do respond to the double standards and the hostility, U.N., you other places. But here you got $500 million for Israel's missile defense. In addition, the president and, and uh, of Israel and I think vice president announced the um, a joint five-year initiative for uh, each side giving $35 million to support climate smart, agriculture, innovation, and how much uh, other... Um, Things are uh, are added, and now we also have the first steps on the U.S. waiver visa waiver for Israel, right. which would make it easier for Israelis, but also Palestinian Americans. And that's the test: how Israel's security can handle uh, handle that. But that is something the Prime Minister has set as a priority. It affects uh, business people and their ability to travel back and forth and to uh, do trade. It affects families. Uh, so. The, the, um, the that's another important issue that's that's on the table. Uh, and at the same time, um, you see that many members, uh, I do know, 50, 60 members uh, called on the president to negotiate an end to the pay for slay. There's just so much stuff yeah. that goes on day to day. And as you said, it's not something especially
0: young people are aware of. No, you're making a very, very important point, and this is certainly the time of year to remember this point, uh, a time of year where we mourn what the enemy did to us. Um, All right, so a couple of really important things that, uh, you know, we talk about enthusiasm, reaction. We talk about, um, you know, passion. I I pick up, or actually I log on to the New York Times website and see the story about protesters in Baghdad storming the (coughs) Swedish embassy. Now, this is in response Uh, to the anger over the Quran burnings in Sweden. Now, you are aware of the fact that there was approval, it didn't end up happening, but there was approval by the Swedish government that those who want to protest in front of the Israeli embassy and burn a Torah had permission to do so. Now, I assumed and by the way if I'm wrong tell me I'm wrong I assumed that when this thing was voted on or the policy was announced and it looked like it was actually going to happen I assumed thousands of people from Israel, the United States, other parts of the world and certainly from Northern Europe would head to Sweden and have some type of Torah celebration in front of the Israeli embassy to at least call attention to how outrageous this is that the government allowed for its approval and I don't think there was any outside of the typical paper reaction from the government of israel i get that i don't think there was any passionate reaction and i'm not calling that we have to go protest and storm swedish embassies i'm not saying it has to be exactly what our cousins do in this situation but wouldn't you have expected some more passion and reaction to this
1: there were interventions and i think they did it quietly not to make it a bigger political divide um you know, Swedish-Israel relations are very complicated as it is. But uh, I honestly did not believe he ever intended to do it. I, uh, and the fact that he included a Christian Bible with the safe Torah, there was no evidence he had a safe Torah. Um, that uh, I did not believe he was going to do it. Uh, and I think that this was, there was outrage expressed. There were demonstrations in Sweden. And I think the, um, there were other statements by some European leaders. Uh, but I think people but the, there was no reaction when he burnt the Quran which he actually did uh, when the Quran was burnt
0: well you have people uh, in Tehran who are who are storming the Swedish Embassy at least no but you
1: also and you yeah had limited demonstrations in uh, other parts of Europe by Muslims but you didn't see an outrage and I frankly think that Israeli officials should have been should have come out and condemned the burning of the Quran that Jewish leaders everywhere should have condemned. Uh, condemned the burning of the Quran because it was inevitable that it would then be used as an excuse to, to try and do it to us to, to uh, perhaps to other religious groups 25, and, and
0: 25 I, years ago 25 years ago the Orthodox religious community in this country I'm talking about religious leaders you know in New York and New Jersey would have been calling for a demonstration outside of the Swedish Embassy in New York it could well be. And there was no reaction. And by the way, you know, we always condemn religious leaders for not reacting with their constituents to political um, absurdities. Here's an opportunity. To, you know, here's an opportunity to to react to something that's you know a, a, a blasphemous religious act.
1: But I agree with that. I agree, but I agree that it should have been done with the burning Quran. I believe it should be done. But once you allow that standard to be broken, and that. Religious symbols and the holy texts get burnt and are are disregarded in this way. We we know what book burnings in the past have yeah. done to us and, and to
0: Europe, right? Yeah. And the Torah, and I would I would extend that to the Quran. They're not flags. These are not you know political symbols. These are these are religious That's symbols right. that are at the at the at the core of. Uh, of a people's observance. Um, all right, so now, of course, the issue. Of, first of all, does every day of resistance in Israel turn into a week of resistance or a month of resistance? Like, would they call for a day of resistance? Did they, they ever leave it at just a day?
1: Well, I think that they, you know, different people have different interests in this. There are people who are genuinely uh, opposed to this, and, you know, it's, there are debatable issues here. Uh, but it became a political football, and the opposition saw this, uh, people in the opposition saw it as a way to gain strength, and clearly the numbers show it. Uh, and therefore, it disincentivizes any kind of negotiations. Netanyahu made another emotional appeal last night for, for it, to, to resolve it, but to defended his position. Uh, there comes a point where I think he can't give in without risking his own internal coalition, and they have whittled it down. To this one proposal, and now uh, we'll see what he actually proposes on it. Uh, but the uh, what, what happens with the vote,
0: rather, right? And that'll take so, away a drop of power from the Supreme Court, right? That's essentially the way it's being described. Yeah,
1: some, but it's one. It's a right. small part of it. Right. And and the fact is that the, the issue was one that the left had raised all the time, often about the, the, the role of the court and and its. Uh, um, you know, the exploitation of it, but of its role and and becoming more powerful, dictating to itself what what it wants to do. And I think that the, the, um, but the reaction is is a sustained one. I still think that the the guys sponsoring this are the manufacturers of flags because (laughs) they're everywhere, even outside of of President Herzog's speech on Park Avenue. In the, you know, the island in the middle of Park Avenue, as I approached, I saw this big uh, flurring of uh, Israeli flags. <laughs> so no, regardless of the rhetoric they use, it's still a demonstration of support for the state. I think the yeah. action of the reservists is very worrisome. Yeah. And, and uh, other strikes, uh, you know, when when ambulances couldn't get through places or when uh, at the airport, the uh, people it was this it's very disruptive of the flow of travelers you know there have to be some limits and the the you know this can't become the substitute for an election outcome uh, and then every issue could be subject to this and everything in the future could be subject to this kind of thing i think it's remarkable how sustained it is over such a long period of time yeah the media certainly hypes it and for them it was great story but now after 28 29 weeks 30 weeks whatever. It's uh, you know it's our, it, it, that they can continue it is remarkable. I I, I would be interesting to see what happens after the vote.
0: Uh, maybe the vote will cause some type of resolution between the sides and bring us more peace. Uh, Netanyahu and Abbas both going to Turkey. Uh, explain.
1: Yes, I think uh, this is something the prime minister wanted. He's he's, uh, he's going to Turkey on next Friday. Uh, I think for a day, as, as far as I know now, it's surprising to go to a Muslim country on a Friday. Oh, yeah. But it's something they both agreed to. And he, it, it's symbolic. It does show some change. Turkey is a very important player. Uh, Erdogan is very mercurial, But this was this is an important gesture. Uh, and supposedly he has contained the Hamas operatives in, in on Turkish soil. He's taken some other steps and remember all along despite, even in the toughest of times in the relationship trade between the turkey and israel never went down it keeps going up and you see the number of flights 11 12 13 flights a day between turkey and israel and the um, uh, so this is it, it's important it's important in the actions against iran now turkey has a lot of uh, uh, agendas one is syria where it still fights the PKK, and where you know, the relationship with Israel is important, especially as we believe Iran and Russia are trying to get them out as well. Uh, they would like to get each other out, too. But, the, the, you know, Erdogan uh, is, remains a Muslim Brotherhood enthusiast and supporter. But if we if, uh, building the ties, getting invest, uh, greater investment, the, the, the Turkish economy is in ruins right now. Their currency has fallen very sharply. So I think they look to trade and other things with Israel right now as being beneficial. And he wants to be a player in some of the regional arrangements, like the Mediterranean initiative and the greater efforts to to expand the Abraham Accords. Because he even called me at home to tell me at Erdogan. And I told him the things that he had to do, including stopping funding of the demonstrations on the Temple Mount. Uh, which has been traced to Turkish uh, sources, direct or indirect. And I think the... So this is a very important visit. I think he, the prime minister, uh, will also visit Morocco. He was invited, and that's a very important. You know, it's the substance, but also the symbolism of these visits that matter greatly. That followed Israel's recognition of the Western Sahara as Moroccan territory.
0: I hope he uh, takes your advice seriously. Um, finally, uh, we only got about a minute, but finally, because everyone's uh, begging me to ask you, uh, RFK Jr. says that COVID was targeted to certain ethnicities. Your reaction?
1: I, I think you should check the, the statistics on what happened in, in, in the Ashkenazi communities here. And, and uh, it, you know, it seems that he has a predilection to, to, to conspiracy theories. It's very disturbing that that he could mouth it, and whether he considered it a hostile comment or not, the fact is that, that it it buys into conspiracy theories that are linked to anti-Israel, anti-Jewish uh, elements, and uh, it is disturbing. It's it, he you know he attracted a lot of support initially, and he still attracts some support. As an alternate to, I guess, President Biden, and and to some debate within and, and creating some debate within the Democratic Party. Uh, does it expose vulnerability, the president perhaps, but I think he did himself a lot of damage, and I'm not sure it's recoverable.
0: Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week.
1: God willing, be well, and everybody should have an easy tanis. And yes. Let's hope that this is the end of the suffering, and uh, it's a shem the Gula will come soon.
0: Amen to that. The arrow is certainly pointing up. It should continue in that direction. Malcolm Holmline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos.